Creating Utopia, the podcast, ideas to change the world, where we turn conversation into action. Thank you for joining. This episode is titled, Vertical Farming, the Future of Agriculture. This is the first episode where I discuss a topic from my book. Next week, I'll do a Twitter poll and let you decide which episode is next. But for the meantime, this is for those of you out there who want to learn about vertical farming. I'll start this string of technological podcasts by stating clearly that I'm not an engineer or a scientist, and I don't know every specific technical detail of the seemingly futuristic technologies as well as others do. But I figured this was a great opportunity to build on a thought I've had for a while now. That perhaps the reason society at large isn't discussing new inventions and new directions we could take is because there tends to be this idea in our heads that everything is already figured out, or other people are and will take care of things. I think this goes back to the way we were taught in school, always listening to an authority and having them tell you what's right or wrong. What outsiders think and say in certain fields of expertise is often dismissed, and I think this is a problem. I'm not an expert in anything, but I pride myself in at least taking the time to think. I spent three years researching my first book and cited over 100 sources because I knew that anything I said could be dismissed. So when I'm discussing how interesting vertical farming is and will be, just remember, I'm not the expert on the subject, I'm just trying to synthesize the information from the experts and pass it on in an easily digestible way. This is the position we all are in, and why I think the idea of creating utopia can be applied to us all. Utopia isn't even something we can accomplish, but we all can take steps that will lead us toward a more positive outcome in life. Just by sharing a podcast or a video regarding something interesting and beneficial for the species, we are changing the outcome of society. That's why I advocate using social media as a tool to connect with the open-minded and share ideas that can make life or the world a little better. I still remember when I first heard about vertical farming. It was in the YouTube documentary titled Zeitgeist Moving Forward from 2013. It was the third and final movie of the series where a mature Peter Joseph was laying the groundwork for his most recent book, The New Human Rights Movement, which I highly recommend. The second half of this three-hour film was dedicated to laying out in detail a plan to automate society and legitimately create a sort of resource-based utopia with access abundance for every citizen. The movie actually used an example of an Earth twin that we discovered that was uninhabited by humans, where we could actually take a step back, think about what we might do and how we would organize if we had the ability to start fresh. What would be the best way to legitimately economize in a world with finite resources? Peter was working with Jacques Fresco and the Venus Project at the time, and if you're unfamiliar with these names and ideas, I would just suggest checking them out. The problem was that vertical farming was just one of many technologies and ideas that were put forward in about an hour and a half. Desalination, maglev trains, 3D printing, advanced automation, resource calculation, it was a fast-moving hour and a half, and a lot to absorb. And from time to time, I'll still go back and re-watch that documentary 
to see if there's any new ideas that I can harvest with what I've learned in the interim. Since 2013, there was a gentleman named Dixon de Pommier, excuse my pronunciation, who wrote a book, The Vertical Farm, Feeding the World in the 21st Century, and I tried to summarize the highlights in my own book, Legacy. So what I'm going to do here is just read the blurb from pages 80 to 84 of Legacy to start. What is it? A vertical farm is best described as a large-scale, perhaps 30-floor, 6.8-acre, indoor hydroponic food-growing facility. We now have the ability to create the optimized environment for the growth of a multitude of vegetables, fruits, herbs, and spices indoors and can streamline the process to improve on many of the pitfalls of traditional agriculture. It is a highly mechanized system where crops are rotated regularly and fed nutrients within a closed loop. Early adopters of this technology have been able to improve on outdoor methods by increasing yield up to 10 times, using a fraction of the energy and water needs, and sometimes creating zero waste. What problems does it alleviate? Well, in 2008, 37.7% of global land was used for agriculture. Millions of tons of toxic pesticides are used each year, contaminating surface waters, groundwater, wildlife, and soil. Agriculture is responsible for 15% of global greenhouse gas emissions. More than 66% of the world's fresh water is used for agriculture. What are the main benefits? Year-round crop production. Vertical farms eliminate agricultural runoff. They use 70 to 95% less water, significantly reduce use of fossil fuels from farm machines and the transportation of crops, no pesticides, herbicides, or fertilizer, no weather-related crop failures, allowance for ecosystem restoration, more control of food safety and security, creates new urban employment opportunities, but most importantly, you grow food 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. No more seasons, no region-exclusive foods, no need to transport crops across the globe. Now, before I continue reading, I know, it sounds too good to be true. I wouldn't blame you if you didn't believe me. Many people didn't when I shared this information back in 2016. But again, I'm just passing on information from the people who are doing this work. Check out Dixon de Pommier's book. Watch a YouTube video on vertical farming after this podcast. They make sense. They've been built. And they're operating in New Jersey, Chicago, Shanghai. I know there's one in Canada. There's even a company that sells a small consumer version that allows you to grow crops indoors in your home, called the Nutri-Tower. This technology has been out there for years, and one of the main reasons I wrote a book and started this podcast is because I feel this is what we need to be talking about and doing. Innovative, positive solutions where private individuals can make a difference that are proven to work and not simply ideas or dreams. A few more extrapolated statistics as of 2016, when my book was published. One 30-story, 6.4-acre vertical farm 
produces enough food to feed 50,000 people. To feed Los Angeles, 3.9 million people, it would take 78 vertical farms. To feed the United States, 6,380 vertical farms. And to feed the entire planet, it would take 144,000 vertical farms, roughly 0.006% of the Earth's existing farmland. Before I get to how to create utopia, I'm going to try and introduce a new segment that I'll try to come back to from time to time called, What Would I Do? This isn't just to say, if I was a millionaire, I would be doing this. Same as within my book. I don't want to suggest a wealthy individual should come and save society. What I'm trying to accomplish in this segment is to try to find a different way to share what actually could be done. If society in general wanted to pursue this technology, what would I do? So I wonder why agricultural powerhouses aren't building these right now en masse. A company could dramatically cut costs and improve efficiency if they started transitioning to this method. But what's more, why aren't these companies growing food that isn't available in their own climate? They could eliminate the need entirely to ship crops across the world and be exclusive local producers of rare fruits, vegetables, spices. I mean, I just can't imagine how much money could be made and saved by eliminating transport costs and saving all that water and fertilizer and labor and offering local produce that isn't usually available year-round. What about government food programs? They exist for the elderly and for children and for the homeless. We could be cutting their costs and relying on local organic produce from an entrepreneur in the community. Whether you're politically on the left or the right, this seems like a no-brainer. Jobs, cost savings, while promoting a healthy diet, feeding those in need, and protecting the environment. Or how about a charity? Rather than helping using outdated inefficient farming techniques, could we not spark their economy in other countries with a food revolution? What is so strange to me is that in the system we live in, hyper-capitalistic, where the profit motive reigns supreme, and if it makes money, it's being done, why are the large corporations not taking advantage? It's strange. I would assume they would, but perhaps they recognize they stand to lose it all when we realize we could grow food locally and not need to rely on multinational corporations to keep us alive. What happens when we realize we don't need to make money off of each other for our food? because it is abundant. I wish we had the power and organizational tools right now that could enable us to build community-owned vertical farms in cities that want them, where we could facilitate a trade between contributing positively in society in exchange for fruits and veggies. I'll continue to touch on this idea over the course of many podcasts in the future, as it's kind of what I'm trying to build up to, the idea of social currency. But this type of sharing ethic is in direct conflict with the system we live, so I understand to a degree why it's not happening. I still don't understand why large corporations wouldn't want to monopolize this technology and just keep charging us for food at the same price while their costs plummet, creating more profit. But I guess some things are just a mystery, or perhaps we don't hear about the vertical farm because people just don't want new ideas to catch on and disrupt the status quo. Just think of what a massive change 
we would experience if everyone was able to access healthy food for next to no costs. No more hungry kids at school. No more parents working long hours just to feed the family. No more balancing the budget based on how much food you plan to consume over the coming weeks or months. And no more having to decide between a burger and a salad, picking the burger because it costs less. It would be disruptive, no doubt. It would impact traditional farmers and grocers, but I always revert to the thought that now that cars are here, no one is clamoring for the horse and buggy. No one is protesting saying protect the horse and buggy industry. We don't have sympathy for technologies that are outgrown and surpassed and are less efficient. This is the natural process, and there's no reason that everyone displaced in terms of losing their job couldn't go work for the vertical farm instead. Kind of similar to coal, anyone losing their job could go work for the solar industry installing panels. We could do many things differently if we thought about it, figured out a strategy, and then just did it. But finally, here we are at the end of the podcast with the final segment, the same way I end every podcast, how to create utopia. Since most listening to this aren't in a position to go build a vertical farm, it can certainly feel difficult to see the power we actually hold to make any type of a difference in this space. But I really think that the main reason this technology and the technologies I'll be discussing in the next few episodes aren't here and ubiquitous already is simply because we don't know about it. If we don't know about it, we can't talk about it. And if we can't talk about it, we can't think about it. The internet, for example, was out for a decade, and people were surfing the net long before the rest of us started to really pay attention at a large scale. Half of the planet is still offline today. Things don't seem to progress at the same rate for everyone, everywhere. And this is okay. But what we can do now that we know about vertical farms, is open the minds of others to the possibilities of what we could achieve today if we stopped arguing and started cooperating. The majority of the population just doesn't have access to the proper channels of information. That's why I'm making these podcasts every week, regardless of how many people listen, because I can't live with myself knowing what I know if I don't try to share it and change the world for the better. Perhaps it's the news, how they only show us what they think we want or should see. Or they could be showing us all the bad and sad and scary news in an attempt to keep us watching. Who knows? But this podcast is trying to be an example of how we all can move through the noise and pay attention to the positive. We can talk about anything. We can share any ideas. We can start having conversations about constructing the future in ways we haven't been able to talk about before. Rather than taking us backwards, or continuing to have the same tired debates about the topics where we're really just trying to have one side's perspective gain enough support so they can now make the rules and enforce them on those who disagree, we can start to realize that the only way things are going to get better is if we do it ourselves. We create utopia by sharing the ideas that will move us forward, and implementing them or supporting them in any way we can. It's only a matter of time before good ideas prevail, but I'm tired of waiting, aren't you?
you for listening to this week's episode of Creating Utopia. Follow me on Twitter at creating underscore utopia, and make sure to ask questions, comment. I'll make every effort to reply to them all. Stay tuned for the next podcast. Uh, Make sure to go vote on my Twitter page on what topic you'd like to hear about.